Welcome to Grace to All. I'm your host, Paul Gray. You've probably used the word grace, sang Amazing Grace, or said grace at a meal. But did you know that God's grace is way better than we can even imagine, and that you and all people already have an abundant supply of God's unlimited amazing grace? Today, we're going to hear the truth about God's amazing grace to all people. So, sit back, relax, and prepare to be inspired and awakened to the amazing treasures that you already possess. This is truth that you can handle. Hi, everybody. Paul Gray here. Appreciate you all joining me for another edition of Grace to All with Paul Gray. I'm going to talk about a familiar passage in Scripture today to many of us, but hopefully we're going to take a look at it in a little different light than some of us had before. This is written by the Apostle Paul. It's a book he wrote to a church in modern-day Asia. Then it was called Philippi. And Paul talked more than anybody else in the New Testament about mysteries. Most of us love a good mystery. And Paul talked about mysteries that God had revealed to him. And you know, God's still in the business of revealing mysteries to us. I mean, we'll never know. Nobody will ever know. The collective human kind, all of us will never know how good God is and all the wonderful things about him. It's just too much for the human mind to comprehend. But he did reveal some mysteries to Paul. Sometimes the words translated as secret. A lot of times it's translated as mystery. And I want to give you one of the things that Paul revealed as a mystery that we'll cover in this passage, but I I see it a little differently than I have now before. Paul understood the mystery that death is not a destination. It's not a final point. It's not an ending point. Death is simply a portal or a doorway or an entry point. God showed that to the Apostle Paul. Jesus took him up to heaven and showed him that. A portal from spiritual beings, all of us having a human experience, going back to where we originated before we came here, to spirit beings with no human limitations. Death is just a passage. We were spirit beings. We came to earth. We became spirit beings having a human experience. When death comes to us, physical death, when we take our last breath physically, that's simply a portal or a passage or an entry point back to being spirit beings in the presence of God where we came from. And that's what's true for every single person. God set it up that way. Now, when you know that, when you have absolute assurance, for example, that you're dearly departed loved ones, have passed through the portal to full awareness of the only true God, the good God, who is pure love with no conditions, who is pure light with no darkness, pure peace, pure joy, pure grace. When you know that your loved one who's passed from this life into the next one is in the presence of the good God who has no list of wrongs, who's taken care of all of our sin in advance and doesn't hold it against you, who doesn't bring it up or remember it. When we know that our loved ones who have taken their last breath here are in the presence of the good God who is not a judge, but who is a father welcoming his eternal children home, 
When you know that our departed loved ones are with the good God who doesn't do punishment in a place where there's no tears and no separation and no judging and no exclusion, when you know that that's where your departed loved ones are and who they're with, then that changes our understanding of death and how we feel and how we see it. Then we can literally celebrate and have joy and peace. Now, of course, when a loved one dies, we miss being with them physically. Don't deny that. But we know also that this human life is just a blip, just a minuscule blip on the eternal timeline. And in the blink of an eye, we'll be together with them again. That's not just theory. That's true reality. I experienced that joy and peace when my parents died. When my son-in-law died when he was 29 years old of cancer. I want to tell you about a friend of mine here in Lawrence, Kansas, where we live. She related to this in a time when we were together just a week ago. She and her husband were there. They were at their dining room table, and a couple of us were there with her. And she said, you know, I want to tell you about when my husband died. His name's Gene. She said, I want to tell you about when Gene died. And I'm thinking, uh, wait a minute, I can see him sitting right there. I didn't know he died. And she said that a few years ago, her husband had had a heart attack. I knew that. And he was in the hospital and he was recovering. I didn't know this next part. He was recovering well enough. He was still in his hospital bed. But they said, you know, we think you're going to be able to go home. We're going to start doing all the paperwork and everything, and, and you'll be able to go home. And at that moment, she said he sat up in his bed his eyes rolled back in his head. He kind of swooned around a little, and he dropped dead. His heart quit beating. He had a, another heart attack. His heart quit beating. Well, all the bells and whistles go off. The family was there. She and her sons were there, ready to take him home. I mean, her sons are panicking, as most anybody would. They're, you know, they're calling for help. People are rushing in. They're doing all kinds of things, putting him back on oxygen. They're, they get the defibrillator out, and uh, they hook him up, up to it twice. They shock him to restart his heart with no success. They're pressed on his chest so hard that they broke his ribs. They did the defibrillator a third time, and he came back to life. And she told us last week that during that time of chaos and panic with her sons being distraught, a wonderful peace swept over her, and she was content. She wasn't worried. She wasn't scared. She wasn't filled with anxiety. She said she remembered thinking, well, they're in their 80s. She remembered thinking, we've had a wonderful life, and he's with Jesus and Papa, who he loves so much, and I'm going to join him soon, whether it's tomorrow or 10 years from now or whenever. And she said Jesus just enveloped her in the sweet peace, and she knew everything was okay. I mean, isn't that wonderful? Many of you have had that same kind of peace. As I'm recording this, there are some others in our group here in Lawrence, Kansas, who have lost loved ones, and they have related how, of course, it's sad, of course, it's hard, but the wonderful gift of peace that they have because they're aware of where their loved ones are now. Now, the reason I tell that, first of all, so we're all certain about that, but second is, you know, most people don't have that peace. Most people don't have that realization yet. They're not aware that their loved one is with the good God. Some don't believe there is a God. 
So that's a very empty feeling when somebody dies. Some don't believe in or know the good God, and they believe in the world's doctrinal system of darkness's pseudo-God, who is a no-good God, who is angry, punitive, exclusive, full of wrath. They believe their loved one is in the presence of the no-good God, and if he didn't get it just right according to God, there's going to be literal hell to pay. They believe that, well, because of that, their loved one's actions in life, maybe they rejected God. Maybe they just didn't want to have anything to do with church or religion. And it's a good thing not to have anything to do with religion. Or maybe it's because of their lack of belief or some bad word they said the night before they died or whatever, or whatever their abomination has taught them. Then you're not going to have that peace, the peace that my friend had and that, that I've had. Well, here's the good news. We had the great honor and a great privilege of sharing the good news about the good God with them so they too can be aware and have that peace. And so they can help others whose loved one died. Now, the Apostle Paul talks about that in a text that I want to kind of quickly go through today. Uh, Not all of it, but part of it. It's Philippians chapter 4. Most of it I'm going to read is is from the Mirror Translation. I'm going to start with verse 4. Apostle Paul, he's going through a bad time here. Some people who've helped him in ministry had gotten at odds with each other, and there was a lot of strife. And so he's in jail. He's in prison, a very nasty prison, not a good place to be. And he writes to them, and he says, hey, I want to thank you all because your joint participation in my difficult times has been like beautiful poetry to me. In verse 4, he says, joy is not a luxury option. Joy is your constant. This is while he's in prison, you know, with no running water, no bathroom, no way in or out, living in your own excrement. I could get more graphic than that, but you get the picture. He said, joy's not a luxury option. Joy's your constant. He says, your union in the Lord is your permanent source of delight. So he says, I might as well say it again in case you don't believe me the first time. Rejoice in the Lord always. He says, this kind of joy empowers you to show perfect courtesy towards all people, like even to his jailers, even to the people who put him in jail. He said, the Lord is not nearer to some people than what he is to others, contrary to what religion has taught us. And that was Paul's attitude when he talked to the Greek philosophers in Acts 17, people who'd never heard about Jesus, didn't know anything about him. He told them, he said, God's your father. He's in you. You live and breathe and and have your very existence in him. And then he says this in, in verse 6, and many of us know this, is don't be anxious about anything, but in all things with prayer and petition, you know, tell God what you want. Here's the mirror. He says, let no anxiety about anything distract you. He said, rather, translate moments into prayerful worship and soak your request in gratitude before God. He said, your requests don't surprise God. He knows your thoughts from afar, and he's acquainted with all your ways. Yet he delights in your conversation and your childlike trust. And he says, in this place of worship and gratitude, you will witness how the peace of God within you echoes the awareness of your oneness in Christ Jesus beyond the reach of any thought that could possibly unsettle you. When you know the truth about God and yourself and everybody else, Even when you're going through struggles, you go to God, you pray, you come to God with joy and gratitude and thanksgiving, and God's peace will just come over you, just like it did my friend in that hospital room when her husband had died. 
Okay, verse 8, he says, let this be your conclusive reasoning. Consider that which is true about everyone as evidenced in Christ. Live overwhelmed by God's opinion of you. Acquaint yourself with the revelation of righteousness. Acquaint yourself with the revelation that God has made you and everyone else right with God before you ever came to earth, and you're going to stay that way, no matter what you've done or what you think or what you've believed. Acquaint yourself with the revelation of you being righteous. Realize God's likeness in you. He said, make it your business to declare mankind's redeemed innocence. And that's what we're doing right now. Making it our business to declare to everyone, hey, God is good. He's the good God. He's not the no good God that you may have thought was God. No, God is good all the time. And he has made every single person innocent in his sight. And his sight is all that counts. Goes on to say, think friendship. Understand that you can be friends with everybody. You might not necessarily like some people. You might not enjoy them. You might not ask them over to your house to dinner every night. But you're friends with God because he made you friends with him. We're all God's children. And we're in a position where we can be friends with people, even when we don't agree with their lifestyle or their whatever they're into or that kinds of things. Says, discover how famous everyone is in the light of the gospel. Mankind, all of mankind, is in God's limelight. Ponder how elevated you are in Christ. Study stories that celebrate life. Those are the things to think about rather than dwelling on how bad everything is. It reminds me of Colossians 3.3, which says, Engage your thoughts with throne room realities, where we are, where we're already there with Christ. See, the gospel is the revelation of the rightness of God, of God making us right with him. It declares how God succeeded to put us all right with himself. It's about what God did right, not what we have done wrong. So when our loved ones die, as they will, we don't even need to focus on stuff they've done that we think was wrong. Because when they see God face to face, he doesn't focus on what we've done wrong. It's all about what he's done right. And he's done it all right and made us all right with him. Verse 9, Paul says, these things are consistent with all that I teach and live. You can confidently practice what you hear and see in me. He says, the peace that inevitably follows this lifestyle is more than a fuzzy feeling. This is God himself endorsing our seamless oneness. And God does that. You'll listen to God. You'll get the resonance in your soul, Holy Spirit resonating with your spirit, that in fact, you are one with God. It says in verse 10, I'm so happy in the Lord that after all this time, you've shown such revived concern in my well-being. It said it's refreshing to know your support, even though you didn't until recently have the opportunity to express it. Now, verse 11 and 13, I'm going to go to a different translation now, the New American Standard, because it's more familiar, And I, although I love the mirror, I think it will help us in this teaching understand a little better. He says in verse 11, 12, and 13, he says, Now, I'm not speaking from need, for I've learned to be content in whatever circumstance I'm in. He said, I know how to get along with a little, and I also know how to live in prosperity in any and every circumstance. I have learned the secret 
Paul says. I've learned the secret of being filled and going hungry. I've learned the secret of having abundance and suffering need. He says, I can do, here's the secret. I can handle it all. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now, this is so important. This is the mystery, the secret mystery that Paul is explaining to us. He says he's learned this. He's been trained by it, by Jesus in him. He said, this is how we live, these things we've just been talking about. He says, here's the secret, knowing the good God and what he's all about and how good he is and how he's in us and loves us and helps in us and made us right, and knowing that the no good God does not exist. That's the secret, knowing who God is, who we are, and who everybody else is. He goes on in verse 14 to say, now, I'm not saying that I didn't need or appreciate your help. Paul didn't earn an income. He spent all his time writing and teaching people, much like what I do. But he said, you guys who sent me contributions and helped pay for my needs and stuff, he said, I appreciate it. He said, your joint participation in my difficult times was like beautiful poetry to me. And boy, that's so true. That's so true. And then he says in verse 19, my God shall also, his God is the good God. He said, my God shall also abundantly fill every nook and cranny to overflowing in all areas of your life. The wealth of his dream come true in Christ Jesus measures his generosity towards you. God will abundantly, this is true for you, and it's true for everybody else. Most of us just don't know it. God will abundantly fill every nook and cranny of you and your needs to overflowing in all areas of your life. So what areas do you have need in? Health, relationships, finances, jobs, attitude, whatever. God will fill those, abundantly fill them to overflowing And that is how he shows his generosity towards you. He has actually done all of that. Most of us don't believe that. Most of us think, well, yeah, maybe for some superheroes in the faith, but not for me. Most of us just, we either aren't aware of it or we don't believe it. But that's what your book says. That's what scripture says. God will abundantly fill every nook and cranny to overflowing in all areas of your life. He will do that. He's actually already done that. That's the secret that he wants us to know. So that's what I'm doing today. I don't get that right all the time. Sometimes I forget. Sometimes I get distracted by life, by situations and circumstances. But when I choose to remember who the good God is and what he's done for me and everybody else, and I focus on that and think about that, and rehearse that in my mind, then I find myself overflowing with peace and joy and happiness and goodness and love for other people. And I find the worry just dissipating and going away. It'll come back. So I have to do this again and again as often as necessary. It's not something you can check off your list and you got it. But that's available for you and for everyone. No who God really is, know who you really are, know who everybody else is, and then think about that. Think about those things and experience 
God filling you to overflowing. That's what he wants. His grace is really good. Hey, thanks, everybody. I hope this has encouraged you. It's encouraged me. Give me some notes or comments on whatever platform you're watching this on, and let me know. I never know who's listening till I hear from you. So thanks so much. I love you all. I'll see you next time on Grace to All with Paul Gray. Thank you for listening to Grace to All. For more about us, how we can serve you, and our special guest, please visit www.gracewithpaulgray.com. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss an episode and to join our Facebook group, Grace to All, where you'll be inspired and awakened to more truth that you can handle.